0: hey everyone welcome to another episode of the post post podcast where i talk to creative minds about their inspiring professional journeys i'm your host david Gidali, and this is episode 21. my guest today is guy hasten he lives and breathes fantasy and sci-fi stories and he shares them with the world in many mediums including some he invented himself he's written prose short stories ebooks novels graphic novels audiographic novels or graphic novels for the blind He's written and directed theater, written, directed, and produced films. He has a blog and a podcast titled The Squashbuckler Diaries. Much of his work is available online, and you can find links to his work on the Post Post podcast website. Apart from that, he's also a world expert at a billion-dollar industry that you probably haven't heard of. But I won't get into too much of that. I'll let Guy tell his story himself, because no one does it better than him. Without further ado, I give you episode 21 of the post post podcast
1: how do you pronounce my name
0: um it's it's, uh we can try that first and then (laughs) go to the it's
1: called so on but Americans call it Heysen. Uh, it's weird, you can call me Guy Heysen.
0: How do you uh, how do you introduce yourself, like uh, in in the field of
1: of um, I guess? See, that's m- you, that's that's the problem. The field of what? Uh, <laughs> I find it really hard to introduce myself. So I just say I'm Guy because when you introduce yourself. It automatically, you automatically talk about the stuff you did and stuff you didn't do. Uh, well, the stuff you did, and you know I, I'm this kind of guy, and it puts you in a box, and 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 it's about ego. So I, yeah. I just say, I'm guy, and let people find out what I
0: am. I, <laughs> I got introduced to you um, by someone who uh, who I reached out to, and I was looking for sci-fi writers. Um, mm-hmm because i just finished a short film which was my thesis film europa which is about you know it's a sci-fi short uh and i i was kind of uh in a bit a bit of i was very exhausted after the production of that short and i kind of wanted just to find some good pieces of content of written content uh specifically wanted to find writers who are you know talented and um and to get inspired, and to maybe work together or develop something together, and I, I believe that's how I got in touch with you, and um, and you sent me uh, a novella that you've written called uh, *Her Destiny*. Uh, that yeah. was, I think, I believe, part of a of a kind of a publication that included other novellas, and it was an award-winning short story, um, which I read and and I loved, and it's still kind of it still haunts me to this day. I still kind of go around sometimes thinking about it. I, I've, you and I have talked ab- about developing it into multiple different projects uh, over the years. And, uh, and it's still, as far as I'm concerned, in active development uh, by us. Sure. And,
1: um, and by the way, Her Destiny uh, can be found. It's, it's a standalone, it's not part of a universe. Uh, you can find. You can just Google her destiny. Guy Son, Guy Son, Whatever you want, as long as you spell it H-A-S-S-O-N <laughs> and you can probably find. Uh, I, I think it's still online. I think it, it is. Class.
0: It is. A few words about her destiny, just because that's how I uh, got introduced to you and your talent. It's uh, it's a story about um, a person who loses his. Um, his fiance in an accident, and he happens to be a uh, kind of genius entrepreneur who is just in the process of developing a um, interface between the brain and, and the computer.
1: he's he's a you know he's an entrepreneur, a startup guy wo as technology. And he's called Tony, and his fiance, which is also called Tony, and you know they met with a big. It was like it was like you know their destiny. They're right. So they fit together so well, and then she, you know, everything went so well, and then uh, a truck hit her, I think. And basically, you know, she only had a few hours, and he, he, you know, he, he was beside himself. But what, what he did was he took his technology, which wasn't ready, and he just put it on her hand and tried to extract. Uh, whatever it was she was feeling or thinking in the last few seconds of her life and then you know there's the funeral and he can't he can't get back up and he just plays I think it's been a while since um, I've looked at it so I think it's like 12 seconds yeah and the thing is the thing is that you know because she suddenly what little brain activity he took is now math which, you know, our head is not math, it's physical. Right. So you can actually zoom in infinitely. You know, you, you can look at something, and you can look at what she saw, and you can look at her eyes, but then you can zoom in between the seconds. and Like, it's as if a movie was not just, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it is today, but say 24, 24 frames. Percent, frames. It still is. Yeah, so, and you can, suddenly it's uh, 2 million frames, and you can zoom in, and then you find stuff. Yeah. Which possibly she didn't see it's it's just the math allowing him to taking your brain and just in filling things stuff in. But suddenly he finds actual real stuff there, which could be taken from her brain, but it's also it could be about the future and about a destiny. Uh, and that's why it's called her destiny. Yeah. Without well, spoilers.
0: <laughs> true yeah and i just that that short story i, I highly recommend it. it's available online um and it's a it's a great read it's very what i liked about it is how um um it, you know how i'm trying to think of the word it's it's very subtle and it, and it's um uh, it's reserved it it kind of leads you on this journey without without giving you too much information and kind of keeping you at the edge of your seat the whole time. Um, and I remember us I talking about how there's something kind of similar to game design almost when it comes to like uh, creating an elaborate plot like this where it's basically you, you create this uh, multi-layered onion type uh, uh, structure and then you start peeling it one layer after another in a very uh, controlled way. Uh, without exposing too much and and um, with uh kind of keeping your keeping your readers guessing what 's going to happen next but but not feeling like they 're uh ahead of you or or anything like that and I, and I remember you know seeing this as a a very you know inspiring successful um attempt at doing that at at like uh, at really creating this sense of mystery and and discovery throughout the whole length of of the story so thank you before I ask what do you do for a living which is you know kind of maybe connected in a way who cares (laughs) who cares where do you think this uh, talent comes from like do you is it something to do with playing games as a kid or or designing games or what's
1: it's it's not at all about games uh, from my end Um, it's about stories and I've been uh, telling stories, reading stories, you know, from, from birth. And I can see yeah. it on uh, my three daughters now, where they live in a fantasy world, you know, they just go into their heads and start playing uh, games. Yeah. But I remember as a kid, I was a bookworm, it wouldn't surprise you. Uh, um, I remember reading, uh, for example, Jules Verne books. and. They were really interesting, and they, they, you know, they kept me engrossed. But I, I also remember analyzing how he kept me glued to the page at age six or seven. Wow. Uh, so I, it's about stories. So um, my, my big talent is how to tell a story. And so I do that in books and stories and prose. I do that in the theater, and I do that in film. And that's that's the thing I know how to do. You know, I I I taught myself how to write prose by reading and theater and uh, and um, movies. You know, I studied a bit uh, to learn how to tell a story that way.
0: And so you studied uh, theater, right? You and you actually went to. you were an actor, or I guess, or studying to. Well,
1: buy never acting. an actor. If I was, listen, if if I had any acting talent, <laughs> I would. I am such, you know. I, I like to do things by myself. So, yes, yeah. you know, we'll probably talk about. I like to. I I, I I write the movie. I direct the movie. I shoot the movie. I do the lighting for the movie. If I could act, I would be in the movie, and I would need actors. I would, or, or in the theater, I would just do everything myself. So. Uh, Thank goodness I don't have any acting ability. but, no. um, but you
0: went to theater
1: classes, right? Yeah, and, I, and you... well, you know, I fit really well into boxes, as we said. So <laughs> I learned, I learned uh, my first year in uh, the university I learned math, mathematics, uh, what? and then very naturally, very naturally, so you're a mathematician. I'm in no way a mathematician. I after you know uh, after the first semester I said I'll take one course uh, uh, in of writing and in, in uh, you know in the theater department because it really drove me crazy that I, I was writing. Yeah. Um, and and then after the first the second semester the first year I said okay I'm going to I'm just going to move to to theater. It's, I like that so much better. I'm so much better in it. I like it. I feel free in it. You know, you, you 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 spend your time talking to a, a 17-year-old genius who says, what is act- What is the actual meaning of two times three? <laughs> He's thinking about this the entire day. And, you know, I realized what he was saying like three years later. But And then you move on to, you know, in lunch, or, or, during lunch, you move to the theater and you've got students doing Romeo and Juliet over the balcony just for fun. <laughs> uh, so, you know i like that world much uh, better i see
0: that's what i did so um so let's uh like you know put you in the you're a mathematician slash no just kidding um no the mathematician
1: part really helped me in science fiction because i can understand uh how scientists think and usually what they say not everything but which is important uh, when so, you,
0: especially when you write science fiction. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, and um, but it's funny. It's kind of like you you're talking about you know going to study uh, a bit of theater to keep yourself, or a bit of writing and you know to just keep yourself insane. So maybe like the way to look at it or introducing yourself is not you know what box do I fit in, but like what activities do I do to stay sane in life, uh, and you know in your case it's stories, writing, directing and uh, you know, keeps you sane it's, it's a different way of looking at it from boxes I guess
1: <coughs> uh, well uh, yes and no uh, you use writing to, to 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 get the demons out that's for sure yeah. but it actually writing, writing didn't make me sane when I was really crazy in my 20s and 30s mm. and um, Well, I, there's no reason to find a way to put me in a box. But the point is that you know, if you had asked me in my twenties or thirties, "What are you?" I would say I'm an author. I, I, I also do movies or I do uh, theater, and uh, you know, I write or I do. Like. But if you'd have asked me, my ego would say I'm a science fiction author. And and today. I don't care about that. It's true. I, actually, when people ask what kind of... I would say fantasy of it, because that's the thing I'm running now, and science fiction turns people off. Yeah. But but, um, but, the most important thing I am now, regardless of sanity, is I'm a father of three. Uh, uh, when my first kid was born, that's when my head was set on straight. Ooh. Because before that... I couldn't really hold a job. Well, I did hold a job. But I hated jobs and I hated regular stuff. And suddenly, I became a responsible person. I had to be, and I had to be financially responsible, and I had to, you know. And there was a period of uh, one or two. I'll tell you a story.
0: Yeah, I'm um, curious cause, uh, because to people who don't know, I'm actually expecting uh, in about a month and a half my first baby. So, I'm. All years, so go ahead
1: <laughs> well i well, I'll tell you something, but it, it's not it's you can't duplicate it so um <laughs> when i was um I met my wife, and we it was we knew pretty quick that you know we are going to be together and we we're gonna have uh, babies and get married uh stuff like that uh so uh, but the thing is that I had an a story idea, a novella idea that actually did fit in in a in world of telepaths, and that came out in a book called Secret Thoughts. Yeah. But I had an idea about I had a world of telepaths. And and I this is an idea I've had for a year and I couldn't write it well enough. And it was uh telepaths in my world, when you touched. If you're a telepath, when you touch, that's when you could feel what the other person is feeling, Mm. okay? Yeah. So, in this story, we got, you know, the telepaths have been running away, and, you know, they're being hunted by the government. So, basically, they're in the rocky summer, hiding. A woman, telepath, and a husband, who is not a telepath, and they have a very intimate relationship because she feels, sees everything he thinks and feels. The bad stuff, the good stuff, uh, the, the tiny stuff. And that is their relationship. It is super intimate and it is super... Uh, and they talk about everything because he would like to see her the way she sees. It. Anyway. And, and then she gets pregnant. Oh. Now, telepaths are not allowed to get pregnant because you can't stop touching the fetus. Oh, you're right. Which means that women, sometimes some, all women telepaths, telepaths who telepaths got pregnant, eventually went crazy because at some point you just couldn't they couldn't tell themselves apart because they just you know there wasn't a period where they could stop touching and you, know, you sleep and you have, know, and at some point you become too vulnerable to it, yeah, and she you know, this is it's not a spoiler. It makes sense that this would be the story. She goes through the entire thing. and she, feels everything the baby as, as the baby is formed the first nerve endings, the first quarter of a thought, the first half emotion uh, hearing for the first time, she sings to the baby and then the baby and she hears what the baby hears mm. and there's a point this is crazy stuff, there's a point in the beginning I don't know if you if you read about the stages of baby's development, but pretty in, in the first few weeks, the baby has a tail. Yeah. Which is how you know we come from fish. Uh, you know, if you go back, 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 back. Right. Uh, before there were mammals. And the tail disappears, but for, she wakes up thinking she has a tail. And it's such an intimate, big, and small story. Right. And I couldn't write it until I, I was actually in a good and healthy relationship because it was about intimacy uh, and good intimacy. So that story was written like a month or two after I met uh, what then was my future wife. And I finished writing it while she was pregnant. Wow! Uh, the story began. Uh, so I also borrowed a lot of knowledge from the stuff uh, I was going through
0: yeah no pregnancy is definitely like a a school uh, of many things i so many things I've been learning in the last few months uh, through my wife my wife is very like sharing and like in, involves me in everything so that's uh, uh very grateful for that um, so when you say that um once you start once you became a father you uh, you realized kind of like you had to get a job and stuff. Can you? Can well, you? I, I had
1: a job, but but I, I suddenly became financially responsible. I could hold a job. I could walk harder. I could again hold a job is not the right because I had
0: what jobs, uh, what did you it's work? It's being to? able to cope with job. What did you do being back able then? To walk did, was it? Does it have to do with, <sighs> uh, with writing or with?
1: Uh, no, I my history with jobs is very sketchy because <laughs> my first job was at age 22 I grew yeah. up thinking the only thing I could do was write and anything that stops me from writing or reading or learning about writing is a waste is, you know, is, it's not a waste it's, it's a crime against me you know <laughs> I, I was crazy now I have three dollars or whatever like that so yeah um, so, so so I had to get a job you know some point. So twenty two and a twenty-two I got I went to a lawyer's office to get a job as a, a secretary. And I told them in the interview, I'm taking this. Uh, they asked me why are you taking this job? I said, because I don't have to think while doing it. I can think about my stories. I I was putting on a play at the time. I can think about my play and I can think about my show. And I, I don't know why they accepted me when I said that. But they <laughs> accepted me. The other said, "Can you make coffee?" I said, "No, but I'm sure I can learn," which I did. Um. So, so that's what I did for like uh, ten years or so. And I, I. Qu- I mean, it's a long story. Anyway, that's a big. Did, did story you? About did how you I also?
0: Be- you also and, became uh, a coffee drinker in the process, because I mean, I also. I hate coffee. Well, I. That's funny because my first experience with coffee was also making it for others. I wonder if there's anyone who, you know, out of sheer will just made themselves their first coffee, or it's always like, you know, you're making coffee to someone else and then you kind of get dragged into it. But anyway, that's a sign. how we can go back. Well, to the it.
1: thing for me is I, I find coffee disgusting, but I drink it if I need to stay awake. Yeah. So three <laughs> times a year, I, I, I drink it and it works on me because I'm not addicted to coffee. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so. But it only walks for an hour now. So it's it's like if I have an hour drive ahead of me in the middle of the night, it's good. Right. Um, and then at age, I think, 32, 33, I, um, I had... My first book came out. Well, my first... Uh, I was one of the... Oh, it's a, it's a long story. So... <laughs> so we have, we have all night. 30, in, in the books, the, I, I was... It was... I'm older than most of your listeners, I'm guessing. Maybe not most of your guests, maybe. And so uh, digital stuff was just coming out and it was completely new. So there were easings and, uh, and digital books were super new. And there was my first, my first story came out in an uh, in, in electronic, electronic magazine on the web, which was something completely new. And you thought, you know, there's no. Uh, it's not a respectful thing to to respect. Uh, it's not a respectable thing to right. do. Right. Anyway, uh, at the time, this is one of the. It's a really big coincidence uh, that when my first digital book came out, Stephen King was trying something in the digital world. I don't know if you remember this, uh, and he said, "I'm going to post a chapter every month or every I, I know." And a new chapter, and every people you would pay a dollar if you wanted, you wouldn't pay, but and if enough people paid, you would keep on publishing the next chapter. So it actually came out as a really expensive book if you yeah. paid a dollar per chapter. But Stephen King, of course, I think he made millions or something from it because he's Stephen King, but it was such a big thing that I was interviewed for uh, some kind of magazine and they basically it was Stephen King and Guy Hassan that wow. was it like no one has heard of me I was 24 years old I think Yeah. Wow. Twenty-four. and no one bought the book but <laughs> <laughs> but it was a really strange experience to, it to, is you know wow Um. anyway so, so yeah I got, so I got my first book was digital then the next book was digital and uh, printed paperback, paperback and but they never actually published the paperback one and then the next one was just paperback and this one was not in English it was translated into Hebrew and it came out here and I was uh, 31 years old it came out basically on my birthday and then uh, a, a, a movie producer from In Israel contacted me yeah because he really liked um he was looking for to develop science fiction stuff for Hollywood, and mm-hmm. and he really liked the first book, the first story in the book. It was a collection of short stories and right. novellas, and the first book was called Hatchling, also online, also one of my best. And Hatching? hatchling, hatchling, right? Um, it was written in in two thousand, I think, published in Quickly, you wrote wrote it. It was about a girl who was born in two thousand six, and it happened in the far future, which is two thousand sixteen. Oh wow, crazy! Uh, Did did, did you have flying
0: cars? In
1: no flying cars. (laughs) No, I, I, you know what? We, he he wanted to. Anyway, you know, he wanted to do a movie about it, and then he took me as the screenwriter and stuff. And the biggest argument we had was about the future was at the time we had you know uh, it was called a cafe cam you could log into a cafe cam in uh, Ireland and, uh, and just watch very slowly as the picture of the street came you know uploaded yeah. And I assume that if that's the way in 2000, 2016, you'd have cameras everywhere and you could see everything. And he said, people will not believe that in 2016, you could just log into cameras everywhere <laughs> and just see stuff in the street. And, but, yep. uh, you know, I didn't have iPhones and stuff. We didn't have cell phones, but I, the, the girl there is a, is a hacker and she invents what today would be apps right. that, you know, track people and do stuff like that. So. That is the only thing that sounds slightly out of uh, touch because it's not called apps and it's not an iPhone or, or an Android. But other than that, the technology itself, about with about uh, the that the story is about, uh, is still new. It still has been yeah done yet, but it will be.
0: And so, what happened with that uh, development uh, kind of process? Do ah. guys uh, so.
1: We developed this and another uh, movie uh, that he wanted to work on but after two years nothing actually happened and uh, i left yeah um but before that i was getting paid well enough so that i left i finally left my uh, lawyer's office Mm. and i walked there and then i got a job as a copywriter for uh, a gaming review TV channel for uh, in Europe and that it paid very well and I oh, had to nice. walk about three about 3 hours a day and that's it.
0: How did you get and, uh, that job? Did you were you like active in the uh, gaming community
1: know. or something or no no no. I, I really I don't remember. I don't know. Wow. Maybe someone had, I don't know.
0: Maybe based on I guess it's more based on your writing than on your kind of
1: interest in gaming or I I would review you know they would send me the review and I would just have to write it within the time limit and within the stuff yeah I do take writing personally so I couldn't actually write something that I didn't believe in and I didn't know anything about those games so what I did was I just made everything cynical and ironic <laughs> which made it seem like stand-up yeah and so uh, and it worked really well so that, that, that happened for a few years, and suddenly that TV channel, whatever it was, was called Jinx, which is not a good sign, <laughs> and, uh, with a G. And it collapsed like, from one day to the next, and I was oh, a freelancer. No. So this is the only thing I did, and suddenly I didn't have a job, and I was in debt, and you know, I wasn't financially responsible. Uh, Did you have kids then, by that point, or was it? Uh... No, no, not yet. And then I had to find. Basically, I found a job uh, uh, as a copywriter, and that turned into something else by a, a pretty big company. And and that is how I found a decent job. And like two months after I found that job, I found my now m- wife, and 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 since then I've been financially responsible uh, mostly.
0: What was the job that you found or I mean, it was a copywriter
1: uh, for uh, a company that, that did slots hmm. uh, called video slots which is stuff people pay money.
0: so how know, how does that work yeah. like what's what's the i mean i know what slots are i think i went to vegas once and uh i've seen people play slots what's the copyright uh Copywriter's job on on that type of, uh... I mean, I'm guessing you're not talking uh, like, about. Oh, theoretically,
1: nice. what they wanted me for was was like, it's a game about Egypt, so write two two three lines about Egypt, you know, oh. about what the game is about. That was theoretically what it was about. It ended up being about writing game design documents. <sighs> I had just again they, they shouldn't have accepted me because I was overqualified for the copywriter job, but. I just finished doing my first movie, and they said, uh, you are uh, because I did it all by myself, and I was pretty proud of myself, so I told them about it in the interview yeah and, and they said, are you are too much of an entrepreneur to to you know to, to stick do, around? yeah and I said, no, 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 and, you know I'm, <laughs> all I want to do is rest now, I'm done with it, I'm finished um you know because I, I just needed a rest and I needed a job and and so they took me which it ended up there, they were right uh, but I had a normal job which I always separate from my uh, um, from my actual life which is about either family or art
0: right um, but that sounds I yeah. mean forgive me for like you know making any kind of uh, outrageous claims right. here but I think uh, that's not very normal like either as a job I think you know I mean if you ask my mom a normal job is to be like a doctor or a lawyer and you know writing for uh, being a copywriter for a video game or I mean uh, yeah a video game company I guess and writing uh, development documents is uh, it's you know it's also some somehow connected to creativity and to uh you Know it, the video game industry is considered at least, uh, kind of an interta- but part of entertainment. The stuff
1: I did was not the video game industry, mm. it's like it's 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 lots, which is one of the most easy to do and boring uh tasks on, on the planet. And <laughs> and hopefully, everyone who listens to this, you know, and, uh, and this is for my walk, understands it, but um. The I found the creative process there to be the exact opposite of what a creative process should be. Which I hope when you do stuff by Telltale Games, for example, you, yeah. it's actually, it looks great. I hope people have fun doing it. But in this industry, which is run by, by insecure people or insecure about their jobs and basically want to cover their asses and are completely non-creative, what they do is, first of all, they assume that if you had your first idea cannot possibly be good. <laughs> so and for me, most of when I you know not all my first ideas are good, but some of my first ideas are good. Um, and they had meetings upon meetings, and you always have to have you know you have to offer five or six a list of five or six different options for anything. And that's not how my head works. Right. I find a really good option, and I like it. so that's the one I do. Um, and they had meetings after meetings and anything curated was sucked out wow. of the process but
0: that's that's so actually that's actually the truth for you know sometime the entertainment business as well like and I think a lot of sure. big uh, big blockbusters nowadays suffer from you know um, two kind of um Insecure um, Executives That f- Do the same thing You just described They think if The first idea Can't be a good idea You have to have Alternatives You have to ha- You know uh, Have multiple You know Options Kind of like The pick of the crop Or whatever And you know They end up spending Too much time Developing something That should be much simpler And much uh, uh, And much more Streamlined Than what it ends up being um, In the entertainment in, in the film industry As well um, that said, it's not you know saying that something is wrong about the entertainment business, which means you know it's not as what well, the same as saying it's the same as as other businesses where the outcome is you know people sitting down and you know clicking a button once you know five million times in different uh, uh, speeds and getting some weird adrenaline rush in 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 the process, right? Which is kind of what uh, slots are, if I or, or am I completely off? Uh,
1: uh, well, I, I know you want to talk about this, so we'll talk about it. But <laughs> slots are basically the thing. If you, you, you know the biggest ones, you push the lever and it spins around. You get a result. Yeah, and maybe you win something, and maybe you don't. Well, I'll and tell you why. Today, in most things, are just yeah. a button which you can press.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I actually find it fascinating. I mean, I, I've been—I didn't really know what you were doing because you didn't want to share it with me for some reason. You just said. <laughs>
1: i said you like to never share it with anyone but
0: uh (laughs) so i i'll I'll move away from that in a second i just wanted to say from the little that i did see you talk about slots and about designing slots and what makes a you know uh the rules that or the sometimes the counterintuitive rules that uh that apply to slot games that are not like other things um I found it fascinating. Maybe it was just the way you you talk about it. Maybe it's the way you know your your uh, kind of uh, presentation style, so, which makes something that might be for even for you, obviously. I mean, for but for for other people also boring. But you you paint it in a very kind of you know again mysterious way. It's like oh, you thought it was this, but it's actually not, and you're wrong. And here's you know your intuition led you to this wrong conclusion and here's how things are truly you know truly are and this is how the brain really operates and this is why you know um, you should uh, you should not trust your intuition here and and you should you know I, I found it like fascinating so, like wow that's that sounds exciting
1: <laughs> so I, 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 I'll complete the story for you so I walked there for three years and I had one girl and then I had a second girl and I asked for a raise and they didn't want to give it to me because I I didn't understand office politics at all, uh, and and so I had to leave and find a new job. And it was at a time when apps were becoming something hot and something called social slots, which is at the time was slots on it was it was a game on Facebook where you wouldn't actually gamble, which is much better than gambling games. Yeah. Uh, became like a, a, there was one company which basically exited like two months after I moved there. And it was a pretty, it was pretty well known that it was going to, to do that. So which is why I felt safe in moving there. Right. So, so they were happy to get someone with an expertise of what slots are and worked for a really big company. And they were like, they got to five, times were different, they got to five million monthly players without any advertising.
0: Wow. Uh,
1: as far as I knew. I which really is, by, by the fact, by what they said. And they became, and still are, and it's an industry leader. And I became the guy responsible for the content. There. And, um, again, I learned to work. It, while I was working in the first company, I was basically just staying you know as much as possible just you know trying not to do anything I just wanted to rest I wanted them to leave me alone I just you know okay <laughs> this job should take two weeks I didn't one day I'm working for two weeks so um and um and in this job I had to work really hard because it was a startup mentality and they worked really hard and startup mentality yeah, yeah. and What happened there was that they had a really big exit. People couldn't believe the company itself couldn't believe it was as profitable as it was at the time. It was sold for, I think, two hundred million dollars. We thought uh, it was rumored at the time that it was four hundred million dollars, and like three years ago, it was it exited again for four point four billion dollars. I absolutely know no part in the in the thing itself I got nothing but and justly so um, but it's there that I basically completed my education about what slots are so against my will I became a world expert in something that is worth billions of dollars so when I left there um, and I left because the the CEO really didn't he didn't like me because he, he really liked, this is my interpretation, he would say <laughs> something different. He really liked yes people, people who said, you know, whatever, reason, you know, uh, and I'm not a yes man, I will tell you the truth uh, of what I think to your face. Oh, okay. And in a nice way, in a nice but way. But don't tell so, people
0: that you're not a yes man, tell them, no, just kidding.
1: Actually, it's, it's one of the first things I say, That I say one of the most important things, ye, you need, and I think, to succeed in a business world. At least, that's how I said First, you have to say to be an expert. You have to first be able to say, "I don't know."
0: And yeah, I, actually, that's one of the first impressions I got from you when we started talking. Is that you don't you don't beat around the bush. You go straight to um, to what you think, and there's no wasted time there. No, uh, I mean, you know, you're obviously not very. Uh, nice about what you're saying that it's very matter of fact i wanted to ask you when you say uh th- that's something i'm curious about when you say you became a world expert um what does that mean exactly and how did you find out or discover that okay well i guess i'm in this status like what's or you know i guess uh, people see me as, as a source of knowledge in this field like did people like, start following you on social media. Did you start writing do- uh, articles? No, no. I,
1: what was the? There was no social media stuff about this. I well, yeah. Well, again, to complete the story, because it it's uh, so far it's four years out of eight. So, when I was left, I took another job just so I couldn't compete because I couldn't compete. So for another year, which. Uh, in the industry, but not in a way that competed. And when they want for a hire... Um, day I was fired from this job. I was accepted to, to the other one because I knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, so, and... And then when they tried to be cheap, so they wanted to get me for 11 months so they wouldn't have to pay me sp- special social rights, which I get after a year. So, oh. when they fired me, I, again, I was... I had to reinvent myself basically and became a freelance consultant, which I'm to this day. And I, I basically had to to reinvent myself. I knew there were lots of new startups. Yeah. Two big companies exited for hundreds of millions of dollars by now, and everyone wanted to, you know,
0: cash in. Uh, yeah.
1: That's right. They wanted to 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 repeat that uh, right. success, but no one actually knew why that worked, and I knew why that worked, mm. and I was like. At the time, I was one of the few people who did. The other one was uh, the CEO of the company, which obviously, yeah, wouldn't did. advise for other companies. Uh, he was actually the one responsible for the success of the company. Uh, no doubt about that. And yeah. so I had to reinvent myself. And in the beginning, you know I said, I you know basically, I just approached companies. And after a while, that kind of dried up because you write your companies and you can't ask for. Yeah. yeah There's no. You couldn't. You couldn't do anything. I, I couldn't do anything on social at the time, and I really didn't want to advertise anything I did about my job on anything. where I was uh, uh, on social,
0: mm-hmm. uh, and what do you mean by by when you were on like? Social? I
1: did, I don't want to talk about it on Facebook at all. It's not something that you know is important to me. It's important. Yeah. as a job. It's it's not something. I'm proud to work in the social sort industry. Uh, it's, right. It's so you just I, I want I'm I'm yeah. a writer, that's how I define myself. So it doesn't have anything to do with that other life.
0: And I think and that's an interesting suddenly, part of the challenge, right? I mean, uh because so so how do you get around uh and uh make those co- com- yeah,
1: sorry. It's a complete dichotomy. You live with two different in two different worlds. Yeah. And in that world, you don't talk about you know that stuff, and that world, you don't talk about that stuff. And and then came I was invited to talk at uh, a, a convention, which turned out to be a big convention. And then I gave one speech, and then suddenly I had clients for years. So I came again, I gave that speech, and basically I gave like uh, seven speeches in six uh, conventions. And those are the videos you can find uh, that I post now on LinkedIn. Right and and that gave me that, that gave me a lot of work until that dried up too and then following Gary Vaynerchuk he said if you post on LinkedIn stuff that you know yeah uh, you do it a few times uh, a day uh, you will get uh, job which is what I'm doing today I got lots of I, I cut all my uh, lectures you know into small pieces and then I start posting some. Articles and I'm in in an industry where everyone keeps to themselves because they think their secrets are the thing that gives them their job. You can because if if you share your thing, then you're not special. Right. I'm the guy who posts almost everything I know, and 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 that's how. And no one else does that in this field, which is again how I get hopefully more jobs.
0: Well, I mean I and can attest that's to what, and, someone yeah, who's not ahead. who's not in your field, just listening to you talk about it makes me be like, Hmm, you know, maybe I should get into social slots. I mean, I think there's some there's mm. an accomplishment you don't even you didn't even consider. That's like yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think the thing that, that that you're talking about is I the lecture about the five uh like the five biggest mistakes by yeah,
0: exactly. That
1: companies make and one of them is you think the thing is that everything is counterintuitive, which is where it comes. <laughs> it it plays, it plays really well. That I, you know, I think outside the box, and I have no problem telling people that what they're thinking is wrong in a very nice way, <laughs> in a way that can make them money in this case. So in an entertaining uh, way, I
0: don't know if it's nice. I don't
1: know if it's entertaining. It, uh, I, I can tell that. Well, I. I can stand on stage. I know how to stand on stage because I'm from the theater. And right. People have told me that I build those things like a story because uh, I build an idea. So, so at least for where you 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 are there to see a very very boring lecture. At least it's more interesting than a boring lecture. But the thing I think that you that that sparked your mind was. Uh, The idea that, I said, unlike all other games where players play to win, in slots, players play to lose. Like, they tell you you they want to win, they tell you they want to win, they think they want to win, but in social slots, you can do something that you can't do in actual slots. Actual slots, you have casinos, and the casinos have to win, otherwise they lose money, right? Yeah. So, but in social slots, you, you... you, you give players the money, the coins, for free, and they can play for free forever, you know, but if they run out of coins, they either have to wait for the next day or they pay you right, or they go to another game, and that's how they get their money. But you never collect your money. like if you win one million coins, you never collect it. it's stuck in the game, which yeah. is why it's not gambling. it's not called gambling. Huh. so you are able to give the players free money, which means you can give them more than they... Even if you make a mistake, you can give them more than they... Uh, uh, you can make them win right. more than they lose. And there have been companies that tested it because they think, you know, players want to win. We so give them big wins in the beginning, and then I'll, I'll take that money away from them slowly. Right. And it turns out that games that let the players win too much the players enjoy winning and then they leave for another game where they lose because what players actually want in slots is to lose. Huh. And when people complain, this is, it's too technical, let's, let's change the subject after this, but okay. uh, <laughs> uh, let's let's be creative again. But yeah. when people wrote in to complain, they said, you know, I bought, you know, $200 worth of coins and I thought it would last for five hours and it lasted, or for two days and it lasted five hours so Hmm. it sounds like they're complaining but what they're actually saying is they expected to lose the money right if you read between the lines so they expect to lose which is something that riles up most of the industry when I say that even though it is you know the facts um, support that so
0: but it's isn't it a bit like you know if if we if we want to segue to, to writing and to stories you know and you know there's something here that I feel like is also um, relevant for stories where, you know, people want there to be a happy end, but they don't want it to happen now. They want it to happen in the end, right? I mean. Uh,
1: Yes, it's true. Well, they want an interesting story, they would. It's, you're right because they want an happy end. But if you give them an, a happy end after five minutes, they kind of disappointed.
0: Exactly. So you can't. just you reach play that end. beat. Yeah. You you have to make them feel like they've earned, like they went through some struggle, uh, like their brains were work was working a bit. That their you know fears were, or at least uh, to a certain extent, you know the part of their brain that that you know that that has a kind of concerns about the future is, you know, is active, is kind of looking, they're alert, they're, they're trying to identify danger before it happens with, I think every film, well, even this is, know. yeah. Yeah. No, go for
1: it. this is where physics, physics and, and art of the same thing, because to every, to every action, there's an opposite reaction. And, and whenever it's, and something is defined by the negative by the, the force that's activated on. So, if you f- if you win, if the hardship is greater, the bigger the win. Even if it's the same win, if you uh, if you fall in love, but fall in love after you know you had to prove your love because you had to get over hardships and you had to prove to yourself and to your loved one, then you feel better because the love is greater. The victory is great, right. and, and and so the more force you activate in one way, the more it feels good when you when you reach the the point. And by the way, the same thing is in action on the stage. To right. move, to have, if you really want to have clean action, to move left, you have to move right first. Or to, if you if you want to move forward, you have to move back first. And mm. Stuff like that it works. Really strange, but it, it works.
0: Yeah. So a question. About your creative journey, um, but also <laughs> I don't want to completely leave your uh, other experiences. Um, has there any? Has there been any realizations from um, the journey that you took, the professional journey uh, in your professional kind of or the you know that that part of of your profession that you don't like to talk about in creative circles? Um, has there been any realizations from that that you were able to? Um, kind of put into practice also in your creative profession.
1: Like, well, um, I think I think now there it has it's not about a rel. Well, everything. The nice thing about being a writer, or even being an actor, which is what I tell my uh, actress friends, uh, they the more you live, if you're a good artist. The better your uh, the better stuff you bring. So, you could if you're age 40 and you do nothing creative until you're 44 or 45, and then you come back into acting or writing or whatever it is, you bring your life with you, right? It's not like dancing where you have to keep on, you know, physically practicing. Yeah. I yeah. did, and, and and yeah, you have to be physically there all right. the time or just. Some of it goes away, and so whatever I went through is in my writing. But I I can tell you today that I've um, my my newest project, which is my basically, it's actually my life project. Now it's it, that's what it's becoming. That's what it should be. Yeah, um, is called. I'll tell you the story from the beginning, and I'll, I'll make it fit into what you asked, okay? Because yeah. it's strange to talk about it from the middle.
0: Well, first, I wanted to like just quickly, because I want to get yeah. to that for sure. But okay. um, if I were to like just kind of wrap up the um, your your last few years in terms of the of the of the consultancy, you know, part of your uh, professional life, I would say. You know, there's, there's some takeaways here that I feel like I'm going to try to repeat them when I, you know, after this episode. For instance, you know, step one, uh, find places and, and get, you know, get to lecture. Step two, cut those lectures into small bits and put them on social media, like LinkedIn, three times a day. Because um, <clears throat> that seems to have worked or, uh, you know, is working for well, for that part. You,
1: and... You have to, This is this is advice <laughs> I've been getting, you have to either, if you're an expert, what you do is you give your expertise for free uh, to people. When you give your expertise for free, people pay for it. And uh, But if uh, you give your expertise, you help people improve whatever it is they want to do. But if you're not an expert and you're trying to get there, what yeah. you want to do is well, you can have a podcast. And <laughs> uh, we, what you do is you document your journey there. Right. And then it's authentic. So, like, you're not trying to fake it till you make it. And you're not oh,
0: trying yeah. to,
1: to be something that you're not and to say that you know something, you know, which is stuff that well, people did before the, uh, before and still do. And yeah. so, you find a way to do it that's authentic. And that gives people pleasure in some way. either by connecting with you, or because you're an entertaining guy, or because you, on your podcast, you 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 interview really interesting people, which they want to hear about. You know, stuff like that. Uh, so that's what you do, right? And if I- See, this is the thing that interests you. So, I will jump to the end. The thing I have now that I didn't have before is the ability to sit down and walk. And what I don't, what I, I really was a very classic, uh, writing, that I on the one hand, I was really secure in my ability to write, but on the other hand, I was very afraid that you know, we took, uh, uh you had to have inspiration for for the moment. You had to it had to be just right, and it had to be just that sentence. You had to be right in the right mood. And if something came along and destroyed that, I was really angry. I was afraid that I when mean, I would be your father, I would just say, "Okay, no one coming to the room. I'm writing now." And if someone came, in I would yell at them, "Stop!" But you know, stop, <laughs> which I never do today. But that's what I used to be like. Yeah. Uh, and and then you know my mood would would be ruined and I couldn't be couldn't could, be able to write it and I learned along the way that inspiration is in every second and I don't have to wait you know I, I, it really is in every second and I actually make a point of I, what what made you realize that I'm curious like was there a it's, it's just a, a stage in writing you know a stage in development you're being insecure and. Um, you learn stuff about yourself and, you know, you move to to, to the next uh, stage. Um, I do make a point of being able to write wider people around me. Yeah. If there's too much I ask, you know, I'm writing now, please leave the room. Uh, or I, I tell people ahead of time, okay, I'm going to write for the next hour, please uh, don't bother me. But I do let people walk in the room and stuff or talk around me I'm able to do that. Right. Uh, sometimes I mostly depends on what kind of noise people make, but hmm. uh, I'm not that guy. But that's stage one for the next thing, which is. So what I do now, it's a daily project. So I have to write, okay. hopefully, once a day into the the blog about which I'll, I'll tell you about later, the squash butler diaries, and I want to let people know about it on Twitter and um, uh, Instagram and Facebook which now I'm bellowed there because I, I want to find a different way to do that right. and what I'm doing now is basically I'm developing developing, working on it's, I don't know when you publish this but if it's not there by the time you publish it in two, three weeks later on two podcasts one of which you are a guest on one is an interview uh, thing it's called uh, World vs. Uh, Geeks and the other one is the is an actual uh audio version of the daily squash butler diaries which is a big fantasy epic thing which we we'll talk about and yeah so i'm working on two podcasts, two podcasts writing writing uh my life project in daily things writing the book for it writing uh, the first book for it uh walking having three kids and <laughs> uh, a, a, a bit more than that and how old are you they know, Nine, seven, and three. Wow. Okay. So, so that's the thing I came up with after like, walking and stuff. I'm able to do that like ninety percent of the time, which is pretty good.
0: And apart from like getting uh, realizing that inspiration can come at any time, and you can, you know, you don't have to be like in the. In that special zone, or like work really hard to to make that room in your or your time in your day to like sit and write. Uh, was there anything also professionally that kind of opened up this uh, new sense of um, <clears throat> of opportunity for you know for writing now?
1: It's I've I've written less since I was uh, since I had kids because I had to make sure I had the job, right? And the job took a lot out of me so on the other hand I did write a book which is I think my best book ever uh, called uh, Tickling Butterflies which came out in Hebrew
0: hmm.
1: and it's a book of uh, fairy tales It's it's it happens in the fairy tale land and it's made out of 127 fairy tales which I'm, I'm putting the quotes around it because <laughs> it's fake fairy tales some of it because it's yeah, but because it's basically all about one character, and it's about the land of fairy tales. And it's one of the 27 fairy tales that is actually one big epic fairy tale. Oh, wow. It is the most big and epic thing I created. And I wanted to explore what beauty was, which is how I found. You know, if, if you can talk, to, if you want to tell me what I think beauty is, you make something beautiful. But it was also, mm. it, it was such, what I wanted to do was give such an adrenaline shot. Uh, 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 It's not what I meant. It's uh, what's the thing that makes you feel good? Uh, Endorphin Uh, shot. Endorphin, yeah. Uh, Endorphin shot into your brain by by having so much imagination stuck in such a small thing. It's 127 completely crazy different fairy tales.
0: Wow. How long did it take to write it?
1: uh, It doesn't really take me a long time. I think it took me eight months or something.
0: Oh, wow that's not a lot of time it's like 8 months it's almost like more it's almost barely one a day isn't it I mean it's
1: no no but I, I really do write very quick in that my first draft is very similar to my say, to my final draft I see it's not the same it takes stuff up like, but it it is it's like more than most people you know they write and then ah oh, this is bad I'll do this again and my first draft, I, I do the job ahead of time, so that my first draft is very close to the final
0: version. So what kind of, just out of curiosity, because i you know, kind of peeking into your process, when you say you do the job ahead of time, is it you think about it? Do you outline it? Or what's your kind of, uh, what does it look like to do the job ahead of time?
1: Well, it depends. I, yeah, I used to, and I did that in this one too, I mean, Kion project too, actually. I do, I plan everything. Everything. I plan the story ahead of time so that I know what happens, and which most people can't do. So that's okay. You shouldn't. This is my particular talent. That's how my brain works. Most people shouldn't do that because it makes it makes for terrible stories if if that's not your thing. Yeah. But and then what I used to is I used to break it into smaller pieces, which now I I do less of because I, I trust myself. Uh, mm-hmm. But the thing is. you know usually worry is it perfect enough is it good enough is it and my trick for the thing is I know my plan is really really well and I know I can fill it right it's really good and and if I can make every part of it better than what I I expected it to be it's good enough gotcha I leave it alone and I don't worry about it huh Uh, so every part should be better than what I I planned it to be and that's how I know I can move on to the next one by the way I, I don't and, and worry s- about
0: it. That's great. Yeah. And the plan is something that you kind of you have in in your head at this point, right? You don't always like put it down on paper.
1: I I, I like to put it down. You know, most of it I put down on paper because sometimes it's very complex.
0: Oh, I see. So you have like a, kind of a chart sometimes for you know
1: multiple. I just write it. And no, I just no charts. I just write it down then. Used to be that I used to write really complex mystery you know, basically just mystery stuff and you get a clue here and a clue here and a clue here and this happened there and then that twist came and I had to, to put all those ideas together and then set them in order and then I add them in order on, on right. the page. But now you you don't do that anymore? now mostly it's in my brain. So, you know, if there's something I don't trust myself to remember I'll write it out. But I, I know I can do it. Like the stuff you said about being surprising, for example. Yeah. This is I have worked really hard on being able to do that, uh, so I, I don't need to write that one. And I can give you an example of um, of how you can build twists. In my in uh, the thing about building a twist is that you have to establish the opposite before you do it, before you do the twist. Right. And audiences are pretty smart in that. Mm-hmm. When you establish something, people are going to say, ah, "It's going to," you know. Uh, when you go into a cabin, you say, "It's it's always been quiet here, and there's never been any trouble." You know, right. are gonna, there's going to be trouble. Right. Uh, so you find a way. I, I, I it's something I worked on to to find a way to 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 be able to give you the information without you ever noticing I did it because I make you look away at something else, like a magician. So, for example, in one of my stories, uh, this I wanted one of the twists to be that the main character is actually uh, 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 a simulation, a kind of computer simulation. Yeah. And then he or she is not a real person. And the way I told you that, because if there was anything I need to tell you, this is real. You think no, this is not real. Right. So the thing I did right in the beginning was I let her uh, touch her uh, mother's hair and um, and smell it Hmm. and that told you she was real because she used all her senses Right, and senses you don't expect and then I could I told you she was real so now I can move on and surprise you later on about it right and I can tell you a trick I did the other way because I had in in my first movie um, it was a movie about it was like I did it for $15,000 and it had five characters five actors and three locations and
0: how long was it? it was a science
1: it, it, it was a hundred uh, minutes
0: a hundred and minutes for $15,000? yes well you gotta man <laughs> gotta yeah so I'll, I'll tell possible. you how I did that
1: but but from just something about storytelling uh, it was a story about a man who was developing uh, not inhuman emotions, but non-human emotions, alien emotions. Okay. And how would you, how would you show that? How would you, how would you plant the idea of, some, of that thing before it happens? And once you did, how would you make, make it real? Because that's not a real thing, right? Yeah. So how would you make it believable? And what I did was, is I had him deny it when no one asked him to. Mm. <laughs> so when people, his wife was thinking, she, he was going crazy. And she asked, she brought a therapist there, uh, a friend. Uh, and he, you know, had a, a kind of a, a thing with her, you know, an argument with her. And basically, at some point in the end, she said, so, so what are you feeling? And he said, only human emotions. Before that he asked her Can a person feel non-human emotions And she didn't get the answer And when he said that I planted the idea in you Because he denied it He didn't say he had it He said he didn't have
0: it Right So in a way it's like I mean I think maybe more related To the first example you gave About like Kind of leading you into Something or sort of um, Distracting you with something else In order to hide Or to surprise you later with the actual kind of truth it's like basically telling two stories or constantly having two plots, one that the audience is imagining and one that is actually the one that's going to be discovered later on Uh, and always like writing kind of mostly writing towards the first one the one that's imaginative, you're writing like you know, as if one truth is there and then you know, and then you kind of switch to the real truth, in right in you know right when you when the audience thinks that they have everything they know that it's you know kind of figured out, um, yeah, yeah, and so two things that I want to kind of cover uh, before, and and a side note, you are in Israel right now. You're you live in Israel, right? Yes, and the stories that you mentioned, that the books that were um, that were uh, printed and and uh, distributed in Hebrew, were they written in Hebrew or were they originally written in he- in
1: English? I'm a unique teacher. but I, I was I was uh, I write in English, and I get translated into Hebrew, not by yourself. And No, I'm terrible at translation. (laughs) um, But isn't Hebrew your your mother tongue, though? It is, and so is English now. And and the thing is that I don't translate in my head from English to Hebrew or Hebrew to English because I think in them separately. Right. So I, I can't do the translation well. Also, when I was 17 and the two languages were equal, I had to choose which one I would write science fiction, in. and it was pretty simple because there's such a bigger audience for uh, English. Yeah. So I started writing in English daily, and that just you know um, at what basically age seventeen. Oh. So so uh, you know my English just skyrocketed, and my Hebrew stayed behind. So but because. That's an interesting thing, because I talk in Hebrew most of the time and not in English. My spoken Hebrew is much better than my spoken English, but my written English is a million times better than my written wow. Hebrew. Wow, that's very interesting. So it, it's different places in the brain. Wow. So, so I write in English, I get translated into Hebrew, and then I do what most people usually can not do, what office can do, and then I look at the translation and I help, you know, in right. some phrases. Sometimes I can do what a translator can't. I can change the phrasing yeah. to fit. It. And I can change names. I can, I can do whatever I want. It's my story.
0: Does it happen that so, you read your the Hebrew translation of your story and you kind of like you discover something you didn't see originally or you kind of experience you have a way to experience the same story in a fresh way that you wouldn't otherwise?
1: No. That only happens in the theater.
0: Because... Hmm. When you yeah, the write it,
1: yeah. When you write it and you direct it, or someone else directs it, you need to look at it in completely different way. Right. So you need, you need to switch your head and then find other stuff in it. Right. And when you write for the theater or for uh, a film, you, you have to leave holes for the souls of the persons doing it. Yeah. You have to leave it open. You can't just feel everything by yourself and that's how you you write great text,
0: right and so speaking of films and theater your experience for instance of making a 100 minute film for $15,000 I assume that was possible because it was a contained story that you only shot in like one location or something with uh,
1: it's three locations five actors um which well my remember I was working for um uh, for a production company and then I left them to do I created a, a horror series I can't pronounce that word horror series mm-hmm. and uh, a six spot uh, with, with tons of actors and and tons of locations and I had an investor which was really unbelievable Yeah. and and then you know we gave some money so we can so we can do the, the rehearsals and then like a month And something before we were about to shoot, he said, "No, I'm not going to send you the rest." Wow! And then I couldn't find I couldn't find other money, I couldn't find any other investors because it was a crazy idea. And the time people told me, you know, "How would never walk uh, in Israel?" It was in Hebrew, uh, yeah, in Israel. And you know, we know because how doesn't exist in uh, Israel, (laughs) which is. And to anybody,
0: uh, and to anybody who's not aware, there's quite a bit of horror now coming from Israel, doing pretty well.
1: I was early on that, and yeah. but, but it was a kind of circular thing. No one likes it, therefore it doesn't exist, doesn't exist, yeah. therefore no one likes it. Anyway, so I couldn't find, and, and, you know, I took it really badly, and it was uh, it was pretty awful. And then, like two years later, I said, you know what? And something in my head said, I, I, I know I can do that. That was very expensive. It was relatively cheap, but it was an expensive thing. It was. Right. I know I to do that cheaply. I can have uh, five actors, three locations, and if I found a way how I could shoot the movie, I would save money. Uh, you know, one of the things that costs a lot of uh, money. So I basically checked if I could. I could shoot a film. I, at, at the time, I didn't, didn't know anything about composition, but I did know I can tell a story with uh, with a picture. Yeah, which the way you know the way uh, today. Most most directors don't do that, but some directors, like Spielberg, for example, tells they tell a story with a picture. They tell a, a story with a picture. They give you the relationships of the uh, uh, of the the characters, or you know, uh, whatever is happening in the story, you can figure out by looking at it. Right. And so I, I checked, and it took me three days, and I, I discovered that okay, I'm I'm good enough. To be able to shoot a film that's my film with my emotions in it, yeah, uh, I can't shoot someone else's film, but I can shoot my film. Uh, and the story, and I had to check if I could actually direct it and if I could actually shoot it. So I came to the actor and said, "I'm going to write." It, it, he was. This was written for one actor, which is possibly the best male actor in Israel, hmm. was is unknown, and. I said, I'm wanting a film for you. Can I do that? Uh, will you be in it? And you know, actors, he was happy to do it. So, yeah. so once I got his okay, I could finish the script. While I was finishing the script, I took a drama, a one-hour drama I wrote for uh, the theater. I did, I, I changed it so I could film it. It was for two actors, one one location. Uh, I took him. He was so good; he could play both parts. So, I took him for the drama and her for, uh, and another actor uh, to play his wife and i shot it while i was writing the other one uh and directed it and shot it and i did sound which i shouldn't have done like uh, i learned from that one and so we it's not shot it's easy sound is like always kind of comes no, back no. to punch and, you and you can't shoot something and do the sound for it it's it's great so yeah. i took Plus, if it's your first project, that's just crazy. So, uh, so I uh, we shot it in uh, a month and a half, which is what it took me to to write the the movie. And I immediately went into editing. To most people, just volunteered for 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 the job because they yeah really like uh, the text in the project. So we edited enough that I could see okay. My instinct as a director and film walk, and I can shoot it and so I finished the um, the auditions and went immediately into rehearsing the um the movie while we were editing the one hour drama and then we got into the movie we did the movie it was shot in ten days with an average of ten minutes of film per of, day uh, per day which is uh, a lot and because they people can, don't know. it's yeah, it's crazy. because they the actors were amazing, and we rehearsed the way you know they came ready. And like in theater,
0: and like you kind of thought about rehearsed it as a theater show, like including blocking. one of the
1: best things I learned in theater is is uh, uh, is how to work with actors and how to prepare them for the yeah. performance. And the thing is, what I think most people miss is you don't get your um your performance is perfect before it's shot. You make sure that it'll be perfect when you shoot it or yeah. when you go on stage the first time. Which is uh
0: You kinda of stop uh, before you feel like you're about to get your best take when you rehearse and then you get to the sh- you know, you leave the best take for the for the filming.
1: Kind of I just I just prepare them enough so that I know that the next stage uh, the final stage will be when uh, I have a camera on yeah and uh, you know you have to tell a few things. One of the things I, I I always tell them is you know you never have to show me what you feel if you feel it i will my, I will catch it and and the other thing um, I tell them ahead of time is there's going to be a time ta- because I, I plan everything, I plan all the shots. Yeah, you should in the film, and but I tell them there's going to be time when the shots I plan will not work, so I, I will need your patience ahead of time. Just know that it's okay. Know that it's a process. Yeah, let me go away to a corner and think about how to do that right. And that happened once, and they were very nice about it, and then we got it. And you know.
0: Yeah, I think, but it's, you know- it's an important observation that I think a lot of directors, uh, young directors, kind of miss, and it takes time to, to realize that <laughs> it is important to tell actors that you know they need they need to trust you in terms of like expressing feelings. A lot of actors kind of feel like they have to work harder than they actually do to convey an emotion, and they don't realize that um, a lot of things work on in parallel to 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 communicate that your your choices of where to put the camera things are you going to do in post uh your lighting your uh even the blocking of the scene even you know even if none of those things work it's still like you know you want to leave the audience the room to um to put two and two together right
1: yeah but there are many, many, many ways to do that. They can yeah. give emotion to to an actor who doesn't have emotion. Yeah, there are tricks to do that. But the way the way I do it, to take actors, I get them to to act in a very specific way, and I ask them to trust me that the way I block things, that the way I set it up, is a crutch for them. So
0: yeah,
1: uh, so I tell them even if you act badly, the scene will work. Right so you don't have to worry about that the scene <laughs> yeah. will work and yeah, then they trust me then they they allow you to to and you make sure that they act well you know, because it's they're not going to act badly um yeah I forgot what else I wanted to say
0: I wanted to talk to you about your um your more recent project what you describe as your life work and maybe kind of quickly uh, mention your um Experience with graphic novels and and um, and what I found thou- what I found was very interesting. Pitch, you said you did a, a comic store for the blind. How did that come about? It's all
1: it's all part of the same story. Okay. Um. So, switching gears. <laughs> so when. My daughter was, my first daughter was a few months old. We yeah. had to take her to an examination of some sort. It was, you know, just a regular examinations. Just, uh, she didn't like it. She cried. My, you know, my heart went, ah! And with the love that I felt for her, I immediately came into, you know, just an idea came to me about this a big, massive story about a father and a daughter. And, this daughter is born to a mother who you know she's this the mother is 9 months pregnant she's uh, on earth she goes to the hospital you know doctors say push 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 and then yeah she pushes and then she said the baby's out and they doctor say no you have to keep pushing me. she said no the baby's out and the baby is not there you know the, oh wow the, old, the baby was born into the dream hmm. and in the dream a man finds her in his dream and dreams that he is her father because in your dream you, you make up stuff. And yeah. There's a daughter and I'm her father and, and then he raises her every single day. And and when he's awake, he doesn't remember that he has a daughter. He doesn't remember his dreams. He doesn't know he has a daughter. And he's only there when he's asleep. So she has to take care of herself most of the time. Wow. And 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 they live... And basically the the concept of the time was I knew I wanted to tell a, a, a birth-to-death story of this girl and it's about the relationship of the father and the daughter because that's what interested me. Um, and I I had mass... Like in, in half an hour in my head, I had like a, the big s- arcs of the saga, which I will really not tell you about because everything is a spoiler. Hmm. And, sure, it's
0: Like there's so many questions I... Assumptions I'm right. already making about the story, which
1: I. Right. You sure can know. ask them, and then I'll tell you, well, I can tell you that, which is <laughs> fine. Um, and well, I, so a, I. The I, basic
0: ahead. one that I have just uh, out of the bat, and you can tell me, you can't tell me, um, is it, are they like, is there a dream world and a real world? Is that how it works? So she, so the daughter basically grows up in a dream She's world? She's there.
1: And- she. she, she goes to sleep, she doesn't dream because she's already in a dream, and and people who dream go to the dream, and and, and I I I also knew I was go- it's a life to death, it's a birth to death thing, but I also knew that there was so much to tell, so I knew I would I would write a book for each age, so the first book would be age six, the next book she would be nine, the next book she would be twelve, and fifteen, yeah. all the way up to her death, which could be depends on when she dies. I know. It's a spoiler, but it could be five books. It could be thirty books. You don't know, and it's such a big saga. And I couldn't figure out how to write it in prose. Yeah, but I could figure out how to write it in comic book form. And I, I couldn't do it in movies. Like, ah, uh, you know that it's such a big project. No, you know, so many bad things can happen, and you never have control, even if someone lets you do it. So, uh, so I i created a comic book company called new worlds comics and the main thing i wanted to do with it is develop it was called lost in dreams uh that serious and uh, i had someone do uh, the comic book but i realized that you couldn't do a comic book you you couldn't have a comic book company with a graphic novel that comes out once every eight months or something which by the way is expensive to do and i didn't always have the money so so I well it was a digital comic book company so I didn't have to print anything uh, uh, I think so I but created like, an then I put in comicsology, but you have to pay yeah, the the artists yeah and so I created more comic books one is called uh, Winter W-Y-N-T-R which is which I saw and it's, it's uh, beautiful it's oh I it, only like did the first novel the first uh, issues and then uh uh, it, it it is, and then Vincent uh, Kings did the, the others and it is so beautiful and so stark you yeah. you know I'll tell you in one and a half minutes what that is
0: uh, sure go ahead I I'm, um, I'm sure but...
1: so Liz winter is uh, uh, it's far in the future and, and uh, she's a seventeen years old and in the future when people are all across, the galaxy there are so many people and everyone's connected you know all your it's not Facebook no Instagram but whatever is in the future it's all in your head and there's so many people in the world when in the galaxy that there are more people than there are DNA combinations of possible people oh wow so there's a million times that or a few million times that so in the universe there are you know there are a million David Gidales with exactly your DNA, different in different uh, um, ages. Just because there would have to be statistically there are too many humans. So, so you can everyone's connected. So you can check out. You can ask to see what you would look like in ten years, in twenty years, and you know when you're ninety. Uh, you can, uh, uh, and your thing in your head tells you you have an emotion. And, Whatever emotion you have, like she thinks I'm special, and then she gets a message that says, You know, 4.5 million people felt this exact emotion in the last two seconds. Uh, Do you want to have more information about that? Uh, Stuff like that. So, in a world where you can't be special, uh, she feels special, and you know, she she steals, uh, she accidentally gets an app from someone. Uh, that she shouldn't have. You know, they steal her and her friend. They steal an app and yeah. uh, basically, uh, the app is about something. The government is want, the Government is about to make an explosion. Like uh, basically, bomb people just so the you know the threaten the government and um, and then the chase. She steals a car and she gets chased by the police. And the police tells her, you know stop now or in 30 seconds we'll just stop and she said you know we know where you're going because we, we really know everything about you and they you know she zooms about me you can't know where i am and then you know they stop her because they knew where she was going they put her in jail mm-hmm. and while in jail she sees the explosion the government and she finds out that she has an app that has this information and the government finds out about her so they send someone to kill her who has all the information about her and they know everything she's going to do, because they know everything about her and her personality. So the only way she can survive is to be truly unique, and that is the premise of uh, Winter. And we created—I created Winter, and I created uh, something called Time Wars about it, uh, uh, and Goof, which is, uh, uh, which was a comedy, uh, yeah. a slapstick comedy, and um, maybe something else. I forgot. And lasting in Dreams won. But I couldn't maintain that. It was too expensive. Couldn't hold it. And I had a thought about, you know, why are there no comic books for the blind? And when I had that thought, I also figured out how to do it. And, you know, you would explain this, and you'd tell this, and you tell the story like this. And, I, and you know, in two days, I, I, I had a test to see if it would work. So I took... Uh, winter, which is visually striking, and you would never think it would work for the blind. Yeah. And I created that for the blind uh, and okay. tested it. And people had the same feelings they had listening to it in audio as they did uh, reading it and seeing it. So I had now rules about how to create an audio comic book. So. And I wow. thought that this is the best thing I, I can do in my life. I can create a comic book company for for the blind. Just give yeah. them comic books and give them empowerment, give them this and give them that. So I created a. It was called Comics in Power, and and I also created a special comic book written especially for, for the blind with a blind hero. It was kind of uh, you know kind of like uh, a mecha, You know the uh, Japanese anime stories of mechs, big robots. Yeah. And in it, basically, you had there was an army. I'll do this really quickly. There was an army of uh, bad mechas, an army of good mechas, and all uh, bad mechas. And basically, the bad mechas, which were AIs, would learn from experience, and they wiped away the entire army uh, of human mechas. And only only certain types of humans could be in some 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 people with a genetic uh, quirk or something. Yeah. And, and and they you know, there were like twenty of them on Earth. And all of them were dead except our hero, which was scarred and burned and blinded by the attack. Mm. So he was blind now. And he was but the last human alive? He, he was no no, he was the last human alive who could activate the mecha. Oh, I see. Which was the last thing, which was the only thing that could kill those mechas. So he was basically the premise of the thing is now he ha- he he has to make yeah, he's Earth's only hope. And when he was sighted, he couldn't, he wasn't good enough. Wow. And he has to find a way to do that. Mm-hmm. So I created that. It was called Aura. And people really liked it. And blind people, actually, you know, and visually impaired people so on various scales enjoy that very much. But again, it was a lot of effort. And I did Lost in Dreams too, graphically, which again cost less money. Uh, in so it, was it this all time self- she was age six.
0: Uh, was it all kind of self financed? You had to get uh, a website? Cool.
1: No, it was self self-finance, financed, self financed, and uh, people helped. Uh, in this case, because we thought it, it would be good, you uh, would eventually be profitable. Right. I gave them percentages of the thing. So, uh, But the thing that broke me like after two years was I had people, we had a podcast, which I really liked, but really, I wanted to get blind people to blog the way they're reading the comic books, right. and I had two people, three people who who were really excited to do it, but, and they just couldn't move on to the next one. So I thought, okay, they really enjoy it. they really have fun while they're listening to it, right but they would but it, even with them, it wasn't viral enough, so I, I, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, so it's not going to work. Anymore and it was too much and, and so I gave that up and that is still part of the story of Lost in Dreams too because now I have two uh, novels or comic books Right. and a while after that I, I realized how to do Lost in Dreams in prose so huh. I started writing the first book in prose Okay. I figured out how to tell the story oh, in a book the story of each one in a book and not in I which I, I didn't figure out before right so
0: you suddenly kind of so writing those <clears> the realization that even things that you imagined as a as a graphic novel to begin with you kind of like from the experience of no translating no no no, it, that,
1: no 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 that's not it I had the story first and okay. then I need to figure out how to tell it
0: hmm.
1: and it was too big or too complex, or too, st- or too something. I couldn't figure out how to write it in a book form in a way that's really good. I could write it as a comic book in a way that's really good. And when I moved, when I created the the book, I improved on the comic book because the comic book is still, you know, it's a hundred something pages. Yeah. But it, it it doesn't fill a book. And I'm yeah. feeling I have so much stuff in it. But when I did this, I... You know, and I've been living with it for now, I think, eight years. The idea of doing it, it's still... And I thought, I've been thinking about how to do it and about Joy who is the girl, um, the heroine of the story. Yeah. Uh, basically, every day. So, uh, building stuff, taking stuff for the entire huge saga. And so now I was running it, but some of the stuff I was taking... From life, because it is a journal of my life with my now three daughters.
0: Yeah.
1: All of which, all of whom, are, um, have aspects of joy uh, in have them, and joy is built out of them. Yeah. And... and so it's our lives together, and each book has a really dramatic, big thing happening in it because you know it's an it's an event that's worth a book. So it doesn't cover most of it, most of Joy's life in the dream. And I wanted to talk about Joy and Joy and her father, yeah, uh, for you know a lot. And I wanted the lives, and I wanted a journal of our lives. So I created something called the Squash Buckler Diaries, which is a blog. Over at Hassan dot I finally uh, took a website with my name on it in one of my projects.
0: Hallelujah! So that's a that's a big yes. step, and we will have a link to it in the podcast uh, episodes website, on our
1: <clears throat> yeah, at the so, post podcast. So, of course. So the thing is, I write. I basically write. It's not an actual stories. It's like pieces of life of joy before the next book comes about stuff that happens before the next book comes out so the first book is the one that's going to come out yeah she's going to be six years old in it so and the person who tells the creature who tells the story is the red dragon who who gets into the story when she's two so it's anything between age two and six and after the first book comes out it's going to be anything between ages six and nine and imagine for example if you come into the story when she's for example 22 and you have 7 or 8 books to read back yeah. you also have her entire life about how she was grown how she grew up what she was like her sad moments her happy moments her ridiculous moments in the dream and you're going to have if she gets to be 90 years old you're going to have your entire life there uh, and, and that is a life project and I am happy to say most people will not believe me, that I'm not writing this for anyone else except my daughters. I will, and I am advertising it, I'm telling you people about it, I'm trying to get people to read it because I think it's really good, I think they like it, but I am at this point where I don't care if people read it. Wow. And I'm sure that will not change. I'm writing it for them, I'm writing it for me, I'm writing it about our lives, and it's i do think it you know there's reason for people to like it i do think in five years i think after one year maybe 100 people will like we will, will, will notice it and be there on a regular basis but after five years you have a lot and maybe you i won't have anyone um so that is my life project it's a project for 15 20 years
0: and yeah it sounds like He's very, very happy My next it. question is like How do you How do you uh, Schedule this into your day-to-day life? I mean Yeah, I, I understand yeah. you You're lucky to have a Kind of a well-paying Profession that you don't have to spend A lo- whole lot of time uh, Every day on um, But Like how, how does it look If you were to kind of Open
1: well, your, open not, your, your, your I calendar can't, and show I can't, them. I can't tell you that, you know, at 7 a.m. I do this, 8 a.m. I do this, and then I sit down between 9 and 10, and I write two squash butler diaries, uh, and then, you know, between 12 and 1, I write a uh, thousand words of the book. That's not how my head works. I'm very bad with, with order, but that is one of the things I told you before, which is why that was the end of this story. I did learn how to walk hard, and I did learn how to do nothing for the entire day, thinking I can't try today. I have to find the 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 perfect moment, or you know, stuff like that, or live in fear that I can't find what the next thing should be.
0: So you basically kind of let let the day dictate itself, and when you have time, you sit under a tree. I try. No,
1: I. It's it's just that I I like I said I've. I write like three LinkedIn articles a day. I have a job. I have three kids. I, do, I try to do two squash and buckling diaries. And then occasionally to write the book, which can't be done every day, at least for now. And I yeah. do two podcasts. And it, my day is completely full. And the thing I learned is how to do that. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I do 90% of what I want to do in a day. I don't have a, a specific rhythm or specific, uh, uh, you know, habit, but I really try my best to do that. And you know, out of seven day, for now, seven days a week, a squash butler day should come out. Sometimes it's six, sometimes it's five, but that's okay. Uh, I'm I'm up to ninety something squash wow. butler dies for now. That is great. <laughs> yes, it is. In and how long? What did I, you start? Well, count back 100 plus days.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: wow. so, uh, and I also decided to self-publish my books, uh, first digitally, digitally, because I'm, I've been quite disappointed from printed the way. From publishers. Yeah. Not that publishers are bad. Not that they don't mean well. But the, the thing is, because I, now I do the Twitter for it, and the, the thing, well, basically now it's a podcast for it. Um, I'm going to do the marketing for it, which is also something I I learned. And when you say it's a podcast, are you talking about the Daily Bi- Diary? <clears throat> well. Yes, in about, we're working right now on doing the, the, the intro music. I, re, I want some really cool intro music yeah. for it, which is why it's, it's on hold. So it's hopefully in two, three weeks from the moment we're talking, the Squash Bucklet Diaries podcast will be out. Uh, and when people listen to it in the future, it'll be a lot. And when I'm, I have uh, a bit more money to spend on it, I will create an Alexa skill about the Hi, Alexa. And uh, um, an Alexa skill that has the squash buckler die on a daily daily basis. That's cute. And (laughs) you know, so so you know, I've been very disappointed with uh, the the way publishers market. Again, I've never been published by a huge publisher. It's not Joe Books, but uh, I've been disappointed with the way you know because. I'm not saying it from a sad point of view, but my my books got amazing reviews, like got killer reviews. Each one of my uh, books, except the one for the one for teens, uh, but um, and it does did not translate to anything. Wow! And so again, I'm at a place where I don't care if people read it, but and I also don't care about reviews, and I also don't really care. I've never cared about prizes. I use prizes I like got as a marketing thing. Hey, this one is priced, so you should win it. Right. Uh, which, perhaps in the future, I should do the opposite. But <laughs> What do you um, mean? Like, not telling
0: about the prizes?
1: I, well, I, I, I actually haven't told people about, I think, uh, some yeah, of the prizes I like got, but... Mm. Yeah, uh, I won. It was an Israeli and the best short stories. I won twice of the year. But, and I use that a lot, but it doesn't make people buy yeah, your books. And right. it's not important to me that I won or that I didn't I don't think my book or my stories are better because they won or it proves something about the quality of my books. I'm actually annoyed that this story won and not the other one. <laughs> I which can, is why I, I really, uh, yeah, no, I get it. I mean, yeah, uh, uh... I can tell you a story about uh, it's a really funny story about an award that I, I, I won because it has they really tried not to give it to me. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, there was, um, there was, uh, um, what do you call it? There was a trans, a Russian a translator, from the translates from Russian to Hebrew, and she came to me and she said. I write this story of yours, which is Hatchling again, and it's really good. And I, there's a writing competition in Russia right now, and uh, you can send in stories that are not from Russia and that have been printed before, so what if I translate it to you, and we'll share the prize if it wins. So so she translated, I said, sure. She translated the story, we sent it over, and then, uh, and when it won, a prize that before didn't exist before. She told me the story behind it. So yeah. she also said, "Don't write, don't write your that you're from Israel because they will never look at your book if you're from Israel." So I didn't write where I was from. I I wrote it, it. It was translated from English, so they didn't assume I was Israeli and. So eventually, so the story is, the committee sat around and, and talked about which stories why. they thought Hatchton was the best one, and then they said, "But we can't give the first prize to an American."
0: <laughs>
1: so they invented a category for that story so it could win it, so it wouldn't win the best story.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: So it was like best translated story or something, or whatever it was. Um, so I think it's a funny story but oh totally but it's it doesn't mean anything it doesn't uh, I think in the future when I you know anyway when it becomes relevant I just make uh, I might make a point of how prizes are not proof of anything is my point
0: oh I agree I mean I I am in the same kind of like not about stories but about short films being in festivals being seen I sure. mean I have a complex viewpoint about it which I've shared I think before in the podcast I'm not going to get into it but um, yeah prizes are are nice things to hang in your you know on your wall or something and but they don't really you know yeah
1: well I never liked them at all. I kept them in a the closet and then I forgot about them and then <laughs> when we moved I saw them you know they've been destroyed and that's yeah
0: um, so I uh, wanted. I think I thank you first of all for taking me and the listeners through this wonderful journey, full of stories and anecdotes, and it's just fascinating. I I think this is one of the podcasts where I spoke the least overall, (laughs) because just uh, in a good way. Because I feel like you you know uh, you kind of you have a way of uh, of um, of delivering content through a story structure that is very you know whole and and um and uh i guess entertaining you know and, and I, I said it in the beginning as well so just kind of think this podcast is another proof that i was right um that's i appreciate that and um and I wish you all the best with uh, with this new exciting project and I believe that it might actually be already out by the time the podcast is and if it is I will um, mention it also uh, I mean I'll, I'll make sure that there's a, a way to go directly to it, it but either way it's going to be on com, right? Yes When it's ready so whether or not it's ready by the time this podcast is out uh, the listeners are welcome to check your website and um And it's, um, it's very inspiring, really, like the whole kind of, um, the way, uh, I I feel it feels very organic to me when I listen to your approach towards, you know, spending your time on doing something where it's purely for yourself and your family, of course, with, you know, an expectation of at least me that it will be, um, a piece you know a piece of literature or, or you know um, or entertainment in one way or another that uh, others are going to enjoy as well um, but yeah you seem to kind of invent uh, the medium you want to work in uh, reinvented uh, and multiple times over so that's uh, very in- inspiring and uh, I thank you for sharing everything and, and going diving as deep as you have um, so apart from where people can find, like apart from your website, where else can people kind of uh, interact with you? Do you have a Facebook uh, profile that you uh, care about? I mean, I, oh. we also mentioned oh. LinkedIn and mentioned LinkedIn and.
1: Um. Uh, no, don't don't connect with LinkedIn unless you want advice on slot games. So <laughs> the the I'm first of all oh, guyhassan.com. Uh, uh, my Twitter is also at Guy Hassan H A S S O N. I haven't figured out how to do Twitter yet uh, in, in a really good way. Me neither. So yeah. my main thing, my main thing is uh, no, I, I mean about this project, like for the the, the comic book thing. Oh,
0: okay. Really nice. Yeah, um, no, I was talking in general about Twitter. I don't I don't get it. But.
1: And check out, first of all, go to the website. It has it has the stories. And it also has background. It has, uh, I call it QAF, questions asked frequently. and It has stuff about the Red Dragon, which tells the story. So, at least from 2006 And if you want to get that in audio, just, you know, find the podcast, The Squashbuckler. Diaries. It's not swashbuckler. It's the way she mispronounces it. And oh. then she made it into a thing and she insists on saying it like that even when she's big and it drives her father crazy. <laughs> so it's squash buckler. It's like you take a squash and you buckle it in. <laughs> uh, and so she's a squash buckler. So it's the squash buckler that is. Uh, and if you want to find a lot of my uh, you know, stories for free, you can go to my old website which has... Been updated for four or five years. There's like guy, a guy has that what was that coming in the right corner. There's free stories in English, free stories, three stories that are online for free in English, in Hebrew, and in Spanish. I think that's it. Um,
0: and I think it's okay because stories age way better than films in general. I feel well.
1: Like. Um. So, sure. Written stories, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so. <laughs> so well, nothing ages faster than science fiction. And
0: right. And it's true. That's true.
1: But, which is also why, uh, you know, this story is a fantasy because it doesn't matter what happens in the future, uh, it, it's supposed to stay until we all stop being human. True. Um, Interesting. Which may happen soon. But, yeah. Um, anyway, those are the things. And my. My there, and just go to the website. And If you're there, you know, to comment on something, and I'll see it. Uh, uh, or e- email me, or tweet at me. And Instagram, I'm, I don't know the handle, but if you look for squashbuckler Diaries, I think you'll find me. All right. Uh, which I also haven't figured out yet, because I, I, I want to do something really big in those things, and I haven't found out how to do that for a book yet.
0: Well, that's, it means that there's still some surprises up ahead for everyone, uh, which uh, is kind of a theme with you, um, both with your stories and with your journey as well. Um, And yeah, I mean, I can't wait. I'm going to check out the website and follow the story and uh, I'm very excited. I'm I'm excited that, you know, you're finding a medium that allows you to kind of explore your you know, your, your inner stories in a, in a more liberal, kind of liberating way. And, um, and I can't wait to see what you do with that. It seems like, uh, as you said, it's a very long and and, um, and broad uh, story to explore. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see you there in the world of uh, Squashbuckler, the Squashbuckler Diaries.
1: I'll see you there. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it was really cool. Yeah, it was and my it's a pleasure. Good podcast.
0: Thank you. I don't know if, if if you have you listened to any of the other episodes or
1: yes, I just heard the uh, uh, um, the one with uh, the one honest only Lee. Oh, uh, that's, right, that was cool. Yeah,
0: she's she's great. She's amazing. She's also kind of uh, in, you know exploring new mediums at the moment. You know, and she she had a great start with uh, animation. So, yeah. A nice little plug. If anybody wants to check out, check out uh, her episode. I think I don't remember which episode number. Maybe seven or something like that. But uh, might be right. Check yeah. them out. Check them out. Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, David.
0: That was it, another episode of the Post-Post Podcast with Guy Hasson. Stay tuned, our next episode is going to feature Janelle Krosha-Rala, a visual effects supervisor responsible for films like Captain Marvel, Her, The Zodiac Killer, and Benjamin Button. Until then, stay inspired.